Yeah, Triple B's in the building, Big Baller brand. Supports the NBA buzz and the inside buzz. We with you, man. Triple B style. Hi, I'm Mikey Domagala, and welcome to episode 18 of Inside Buzz. I'm very proud to announce that I've got my first active NBA player here on Inside Buzz. Jonte Porter, brothers with Michael Porter Jr. on the Denver Nuggets, is on the Memphis Grizzlies, and he's here for episode 18. He played in college alongside his brother Michael in Missouri, where he won sixth man of the year. Then he went undrafted because of two torn ACLs in the same knee. But this past March, the Memphis Grizzlies came knocking and signed him to a contract where he continued his rehab in the NBA bubble. Jonte, along with Michael Porter Jr., freakishly athletic with great shooting strokes. Jonte's six foot eleven, and he's gonna fit in perfectly with that young Memphis Grizzlies lineup next season. All right, Jonte, welcome to episode eighteen of Inside Buzz. I appreciate you coming on and you know being so willing to join me. For sure, bro. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, anytime and. Listen, man, we saw your brother's Denver Nuggets last night go to war and force Game 7 against the Utah Jazz. Jamal Murray dropped 50, and Donovan Mitchell, they were going back and forth like crazy. I could assume you're rooting for the Nuggets now that the Grizzlies are eliminated, and I'm sure you want them to win the title. That series has probably, I mean, been the most competitive up to this point, so I'm excited for Game 7. It'll be a blast. We just had a week full of social justice you know, the NBA implementing new things to try to get that going. How do you feel about what the NBA has done over the last week? I think it's awesome just uh, how supportive they're being of guys using their voices, their platforms. I mean, we all have this platform that everybody looks up to and be able to use that platform to, you know, get a message across, get an agenda across that I think majority of America would probably agree with. I think it's really special. And uh, I think they're just doing a great job of, despite being isolated out there in the bubble, uh, they still have an impact in the everyday world, which is great. And how have you and your teammates in Memphis, you know, how did they deal with that? Did you have a call before it? Because I saw almost every team got together and tried to make some kind of reform. We did. We had our coach, Coach Jenkins, has, has been awesome about that stuff. Uh, we've had a lot of team meetings almost every week just talking about that stuff and uh, him getting us plugged in on stuff we can do individually to help in the community and the nation. Uh, so like I said, it's a collective, the whole NBA is doing stuff, but it really comes down to team by team, player by player. Uh, every person individually has to take that next step to cause reform, cause change in this country. And, uh, I'm really proud to be a part of it. I'm a big fan of your brothers. And especially I became even more of a fan in the bubble. You know, he had some great performances in his rookie year, 9.3 points per game, but then he blew up in the bubble with a couple 30 point games and 15 plus rebound games. How does it feel to be his brother and watching his growth in the NBA so quickly? It's really just awesome because I've seen him play his whole life and I've always like looked up to him being an older brother and uh, really seen the superstar he could be. I've always known it. And to see that kind of manifest in people to now see like, wow, he's pretty good. He could you know, contribute to a contending team. So it's really awesome to see not only as his brother, but just as a fan of his game, uh, seeing him take the next step. And I think the sky's the limit for that guy. And he's got one of the nicest shooting strokes in the league. Even Doris Burke on ESPN compared it to Kevin Durant's. How do you feel about that one? That's been a comparison since he was little, too. Like, I think his first mixtape on YouTube was called Baby KD. So he's been getting that comparison forever. And, uh, I mean, that's a lot of high praise, especially from somebody like Doris Burke. But um, I really think he can be a player like that, just a generational player, as long as he stays healthy and he keeps grinding, because he's one of the hardest working guys I know. 100%. And Jonte, at 6'10", 
you know, you're not you're not just a regular big man. You have a shooting stroke as well. How did you find that stroke and how did you develop it? Was it playing basketball as a kid with MPJ when you were younger growing up and having shootouts? How did you, how'd you get that stroke going? I used to shoot like two-handed, really two-handed, and uh, didn't shoot it that well. I honestly wasn't that good at basketball for a long time, but my brother, he's always been like a natural shooter, and that's really all he did as a young kid. So I saw he just like put it in at will. I was like, I want to be able to do that too. So it was pretty late. I think maybe sixth, seventh grade, usually like that's when your jumper is set. But my dad and I went to a gym that whole summer, just worked on reworking my jumper and getting it to, you know, come off one-handed and uh, rep that out. And it's really kind of just been a part of my game since then. I've lo I love shooting. I love doing lots of stuff that traditional big men don't necessarily do, uh, although that is kind of where the NBA is heading. So uh, I think I found my little niche here in Memphis, and I'm really appreciative that they took me on board, and they, they know what I'm capable of, so I'm excited to get out there. Is there a comparison of a player you think your game would be like in the NBA? Uh, not per se, no. I used, to, I used to think of like Kevin Love or Al Horford, uh, then recently got some comparisons to Jokic because, I mean, maybe that's an insult from lack of athleticism. But uh, <laughs> no, we're, I, I think I just – he's people like to compare me to a lot of people, big men that do stuff that normal big men don't do. Like Kevin Love shoots it really well. Uh, Al Horford is really smart, making plays that a lot of big men are able to handle the ball. Jokic just does everything. So if I can get anywhere close to that level, I'll be I'll be happy. But uh, for now, I'm just grinding, trying to be John Tate Porter and – Hopefully, people compare themselves to me one day because that's the type of player I am. I love the humbleness, my man. And here we are in 2020. You've had a crazy two years of ups and downs. Played the past, you know, two years, a lot of college basketball, undrafted, then going into the NBA. When you got that call from Memphis, how did that feel? And did it feel like the resilience and the hard work truly paid off? For sure, yeah. Uh, I had a few offers before then, but no deal made sense to me and my agent because it was kind of just a lot of asterisks, like if he gets hurt again, he doesn't get this, or if he, whatever. There's just a lot of like protecting the team and not necessarily good for me. So I was like, let me just keep grinding, get healthy, and the healthier I get, the more leverage I have. And Memphis took the bait and had me come out here, work out for him, and uh, went out to dinner with some of their guys. So it was really a match made in heaven, I feel like and all these people here are just here to help me get better. And I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, they they want to see me grow. They know the player I can be eventually, and uh, I think they're willing to be patient with that. So it was probably one of the best days of my life, to be honest, especially for basketball career. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'll never forget it, that's for sure. And I'm sure it was mentally tough to tear that ACL twice, going through that rehab. You know, you get it done once, and then, boom, you got to do it again. So stepping on the floor with Memphis in the bubble and really getting the reps with the guys and everything like that. How'd that, how'd that feel? I was honestly one of the best days of my life in terms of my basketball career, just because it had been almost two years since I've been able to play uh, full speed. Uh, and it, just to be at that level and finally look back and be like, wow, I made it. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm satisfied or anything, but just to sit back and recognize my accomplishments to get to this point, despite the adversity I've had to go through is pretty special. So, uh, like I said, it's really, really cool moment just to be out there hooping with the guys and a little nervous at first just because you haven't played in so long. But uh, I got those nerves out, and I think the bubble was really good for me despite not actually playing in the games. And, Jonte, tell me about that magical bubble. What were your initial thoughts when you first got in there? I saw guys weren't liking the food, weren't liking the hotel rooms, and 
there was just there was just madness those first couple of days. How'd you feel about it? I wasn't too picky about it. The food definitely could have been better, but it makes sense. They were just doing like the cleanest like single serving and cardboard boxes. It just wasn't presented very well. I think that was a lot of the issues. So uh, they apologized and they started working to get their food better, which is great. And besides that first two days of quarantining, uh, it was pretty cool, actually, the bubble. There's lots to do. Uh, they made it fun for us. But if you're stuck in a hotel for that long, eventually you get tired of it. So uh, I think a lot of guys will get burnt out of the hotel. But at the same time, we're playing basketball. So that's pretty special. And I think we're willing to sacrifice, you know, months at a time staying in a hotel just to have the chance to compete for a championship. So really special what they were able to do. Um, unfortunately, it's not like we're able to fly and play in our normal arenas with fans. That'd be ideal. But at the same time, this is best case scenario, I feel like. I need an inside scoop of the bubble because, you know, I know every team had different hotels and certain, you know, mash up together. But if you're walking down a hallway, could you just see like, Damian Lillard walking by or LeBron walking by. How how did that work? Just seeing other other teams just in the same vicinity as you. It's really crazy just because for me especially, this is like my first I signed what, like a week before the season got shut down. So I hadn't really seen any of these guys before and uh when we got out there it was my first exposure to like all these other NBA teams. And just seeing dudes that I like almost idolized growing up, just walk in the same halls, eating in the same rooms as me, it's pretty insane so uh, after you get over that starstruck period then it's like these are just normal guys walking in flip-flops going to the pool stuff like that but it was really cool just to it really is just like an AAU tournament a lot of people said that it really is like you're just walking in flip-flops going on golf carts fishing in your spare time but at the gym for hours on end watching games before years it's it really was crazy hopefully we don't have to do another bubble again but uh they definitely did everything in their power to make it seem like legit NBA basketball. And I don't want to get you fined before you step on the NBA floor just yet. But not did you see any signs of tampering, but based off how close of quarters everybody was in, do you think some guys were talking, hey, I'm a free agent next year. Let's maybe team up. I wouldn't be surprised just because, you know, we're all in such close quarters. There's They had like players' lounges where people could go hang out if you are at different hotels and whatnot. So... I know a lot of guys become really good friends with people off their, you know, their market team, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was some tampering. I'm not going to say any names, but yeah, for sure. You probably saw tons of funny moments with your Memphis Grizzlies teammates in the bubble. Was there one fo funny moment that stood out, whether it's who knows what could happen if somebody overslept or somebody stayed in the pool too long? Yeah, that that was a worry because dudes would like leave their hotel keys and not be able to get their shoes to go to practice and cause the whole bus to be late, which caused the schedule to go off the rails. So there's a bunch of little logistic things you wouldn't think about that could, you know, cause some trouble. But uh, now one of the most memorable moments was just our team. We got done with the game. We were all tired the next day going to practice and uh, – coach just told us to take off our jerseys we're gonna play kickball uh in the gym so that was really fun we did that instead of practice and everybody just had a good time laughed it off and that was one of the themes of orlando is uh it's serious it's business but at the same time let's have fun keep it light and make it not feel so like prisony if that makes sense just have fun with it so i think our our team did a great job with that i'm not sure how other teams are doing their thing and the memphis grizzlies you know devastatingly knocked out of playoff contention after holding that eight seed how 
How locked in was John Morant in the bubble? And how pissed off was he that you guys got eliminated after a great season? Yeah, I think everybody was a little frustrated in the locker room. Uh, some guys more than others, but at the end of the day, we, we had a great season and had a, had a great showing out there for the most part. I think Ja especially proved he was the caliber player that everyone thought he was. And I think we have a lot of young talent that it almost felt like a second season for like Brandon Clark, for example, who's a rookie. It's just like they take that next step. And if anything, we go away from this bubble feeling more confident for next year. So everyone was pissed off. But at the same time, we, we uh, patted ourselves on the back and we're just like, let's just be great this offseason and get ready for next year. Because I think we know now, despite not you know, winning a ton of games out there, we know now that we have a future. We can contend with really anybody as long as we stay healthy and you know, keep growing as a team. So we like our chances moving forward, even though this does suck right now, getting knocked out despite that three-and-a-half game lead. Uh, the future's bright for sure. And if Jaron Jackson doesn't go down with that injury, do you think the Memphis Grizzlies are in the playoffs today? You got to think so. Uh, Jaron's just such a special player, and uh, he was having such a great time out there in the bubble. He was probably our best player up until he got hurt, and uh, to see him go down was devastating, but I think our guys really rallied around him. So it's hard to say if we would have, but you like to think that we had better chance with one of our best players uh, being out there with us. Is John Morant your rookie of the year? I'm sure there's no bias there. A hundred percent, I think so. I just think his uh, art, his work, all he's done for the season, I think is just uncompared to, you know, all the other rookies. There are a lot of other rookies out there, but you see like Zion, who was hurt most of the year. My brother didn't get playing time until later in the year. Um, you know, Kendrick Nunn is pretty good, but I just don't think he, his season really compared to Ja. He has, ja had a special year. I think he deserves to be recognized for that. Um, it is just a award at the end of the day. I know him and the rest of the team have bigger aspirations for next year moving forward. But uh, it is nice to get recognized for having such a special season that he did. So definitely think he should. And in your brother's draft class, I remember watching the draft and thinking, how is MPJ slipping to 14? So yeah. teams doubted him based off his back. Teams might be doubting you based off your injury. What do you have to prove when you step on the floor next season? I just think I have a lot to show teams. They haven't seen me play since I was 17 years old. And I'm 20 years old now, uh, taking the next step. I think my confidence is at a new level. So I want to make every team, you know, regret not giving me a chance and show Memphis that they made the right decision in drafting or signing me. So, uh, but at the end of the day, I'm not out there to prove anything to anyone, more so just to sh be great for myself. And uh, yeah, it's not, it's not, I'm not going out there to hoop for other teams, but it, it will be cool to kind of, you know, show out and show that maybe they should have given me a second look. And I'm a huge Knicks fan. I wanted, I wanted us to take MPJ when that draft came around. How did you feel watching that and watching him slip, slip so far to 14, I believe? That was a funny story. So we kind of knew that was going to happen up until that point because the night before the draft, I believe it was the Clippers team doctor, sent out a memo to every other team saying Michael has a possibility of never playing basketball again. So that scared off like every team. And if Denver didn't pick him, who knows where he would have slipped to. But uh, – we kind of knew that was going to happen just off that. Every team, you know, kind of backed off. Um, there was a chance he would have gone two before that. So it, it did suck, but we knew it was coming, which kind of softened the blow. Instead of just sitting there paralyzed, you know, each name goes off the list. Uh, we knew it was coming. That doesn't take away from the fact that it sucked. But I think Michael, just like me, is just thankful for the opportunity that Denver gave him. And 
you, you see right now starting to pay off. So uh, I, I don't think he'd rather be anywhere else. I think he loves Denver, and that's just the way the dominoes fell. Maybe the dominoes fell correctly, like you said, but Denver had back-to-back years of just great drafts. MPJ, your brother, and then Bol Bol. Have you, have you spent any time with Bol Bol, or has your brother told you any funny stories about, you know, lining up with him? He's like a seven foot two athletic freak. That's actually my childhood friend. We uh, played against each other growing up since like fifth grade. He lived in Kansas City. I played on a team in Kansas City, and uh, we became buddies. He's, he's always been freakish, freakishly tall, even skinnier back then, believe it or not. But he's just a special talent. I think you combine that size, length with his – he's another big dude who doesn't do big man stuff. So he can shoot it. He can block any shot. I think he's just like a walking mismatch. So – if he can stay healthy, if that Denver Nuggets team can stay healthy, they're going to be scary for a long, long time. And I think Bobo and my brother will be a big part of that. I'm 21. You said you're 20. I might yeah. be, you know, a foot and a half-ish, smaller than you. But I have NBA idols. I'm sure you do too. Who's somebody you can't wait to line up against next season? Sheesh, that's tough. I mean, idol-wise, I, w- I was always a LeBron fan, so that'll be pretty special. Um, but I think the most – magical moment will just be playing against my brother because we both had dreams of playing in the NBA since we were toddlers but to see that manifest to the point where we'll both be able to play against each other at the same time that's gonna be there's gonna be nothing like it so I'm excited for that lord willing we're both healthy when our teams play but uh yeah that'll be great and how did it feel to be in those viral videos of Michael in high school because I remember hearing about your brother and then you know his younger brother Jonte of course but those mixtapes of Ball is Life and Overtime of your brother, how did you, you guys would play and you'd get home and probably see this stuff. How'd you react? It was just fun, man. I would, I remember I would stay up till like past midnight in a school night just watching his videos because they were just so hype and all his dunks and the music and all that. I don't think it really got to him. He kind of got numb to all the hype because, you know, he had been regarded as a top player forever in high school. So, but for me, it was just like seeing my brother get all this attention it didn't make me jealous or anything. I just really appreciated that I was able to walk along that journey with him. Uh, and that team in Nathan Hale, uh, Seattle, that was a really special year. Playing for Brandon Boy was awesome. And, uh, you know, we didn't lose. So that was just cherry on top for that year. And how did it feel to go playing with your brother in high school, then in college? That was really cool, too. Unfortunately, it didn't work out the way we had anticipated because he hardly played in college. But uh, just having him there on the sideline, that's really the main reason I think I'm the player. I was the player at Mizzou that I was. Um, I didn't know if I was going to be a playing time. I didn't know if I was going to be one of the best players. But he just instilled that confidence in me every day. And uh, sometimes it got tough, the environment. I was just, like I said, 17 playing in college. So it was really tough. I had a lot of maturing to do. And that Nathan Hale championship year, like you mentioned, under Brandon Roy, how much did you learn from him? And what do you think your brother took from B. Roy as well? Right. I, man, that was like the best year for my, my game and my uh, growth as a player. I think Michael's too. It was just, one, you get over that starstruck phase, like it's Brandon Roy, one of the best, you know. <laughs> that must have been crazy. Crazy, right? So <laughs> him being there every day in practice, sometimes he'd hoop with us. It's just like, wow, we're really in a room with a legend just getting better so it was a really special year and uh he just poured his knowledge into us like i said michael gave me confidence i think brandon roy gave both of us and the rest of our team just utmost confidence told us what we needed to hear he was really a player's coach so um 
that was probably the most fun basketball I've ever played just because we had that guy coaching us just with our team and uh, going out and beating everybody by 40 is just a blast. <laughs> and I mean, we all know Brandon Roy retired when he was so young due to all those injuries. And, you know, you were in high school three years ago. B. Roy was only 33 years old. So him yeah. hooping with you, did you see glimpses of his former self just not missing? For sure, yeah. It would just be like a battle between – we'd always put Michael and him on other teams, and, uh, you know, we'd all just fill our roles. But sometimes they just go back and forth, just kind of like Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell were last night, just going back and forth, hitting threes. And uh, you saw that. But then eventually we were, you know, young legs running up and down. Brando get tired and, you know, pull a hammy or something. So his old self definitely pulled or showed out at sometimes, but you could definitely tell he still got it. And uh, it really is too bad that his career got cut short because I really think he could have been one of the greats. And would you ask him about his career and maybe like players he matched up against? Because Kobe called him his toughest matchup ever. He often talked about that and just told us stories and stuff. Often raved about Kobe just like Kobe did him. So. That was also one of the special elements of having him as a coach is you hear all these inside stories that never make the news uh, just about, you know, battles or teammate scuffles, whatever the case may be. It was just cool to have an NBA player that played so long and knew all these legends kind of pour into us with his knowledge and his game. And I was doing some research on you and your brother's Instagram before. Tell me about your, your other brother, Coben, and where he plays basketball. And do you think he has aspirations for going pro? No, he's really talented, probably one of the hardest workers I know uh, in the gym more than any of my brothers have been, me and Michael included. So definition of a hard work, blue-collar player. He didn't get the height that we did. He's only about 6'4", only about 6'4", but for us, that's, you know, kind of short. So, But he's at link year prep right now. It's kind of like a kind of like an Oak Hill Academy, like a link year before you go to uh, college. He didn't know where he wanted to go, especially with all this COVID uncertainty. He just decided to take a year get better, hopefully get some more looks, and then uh, go play college. And he definitely has pro aspirations. I think he really can. He's gotten so much better. But uh, for now, it's just all about, you know, doing doing what he's doing at his school right now, and hopefully the future kind of aligns itself for him. I would love to get him on the show if he wants to talk about, you know, being your brother and Michael's brother and even talking about his hoops career if, if he'd be interested. Yeah. Yeah, he'd for sure be down. You could you could probably hit him up on Instagram, but I'll I'll shoot him a text after this. You know, Jonte, we started talking on Instagram because I'm a I'm a huge Tesla guy, and I saw you posted with your Tesla, so I asked you some questions. So, what has a better chance? You driving all the way to New York and picking me up in your Tesla, or you getting MPJ on Inside Buzz? Probably Inside <laughs> Buzz. <laughs> There's no way I'm driving to New York, but I'll make one of them happen for you, all right? Perfect. Hey, I would I would gladly appreciate it. And, Jonte, that's where we're going to finish it. Actually, you know what? Let, I'll keep going. One more question. Is there something that you're going to miss about the bubble? <sighs> the one thing I'll probably miss about the bubble is just the constant basketball. Like, it's basketball and hotel. Like, there's no distractions. You know, no people you got to hang out with besides your teammates. It's just – you put in what you want. You can go to the weight room whenever, go to the gym, shoot whenever. It really was just basketball. So you definitely get tired of it, but it's something that you do take for granted, uh, especially when you come back here and there's all these restrictions uh, due to the current circumstances. So the bubble was uh, a unique experience, to say the least, but I'm definitely rooting from the outside. All right, ladies and gentlemen, episode 18 of Inside Buzz with Mikey Domagala. And that's my first active player, Jonte Porter. 
coming on the show. Jonte, I really appreciate you giving me your time. Of course, man. Thank you for having me again.